Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have a fun and encouraging episode for you this week as I was joined by Reggie McNeil. Reggie has really helped shape the church leadership conversation over many years as a pastor, a denominational executive, as the missional specialist for Leadership Network, and now as a city coach with Good Cities, where he's helping build collaborative efforts across domains for kingdom impact. Reggie has written a number of best-selling books, including his most recent, entitled Kingdom Collaborators, Eight Signature Practices of Leaders Who Turn the World Upside Down. Now, on this week's episode, Reggie and I focus on the kingdom life and why it is critical for ministry leaders to shift their leadership. We discuss why our changing world means we need to view the church not as something to be fixed, but as something to be reimagined as we seek to effectively introduce people to Jesus and the beauty and adventure of his kingdom life. Reggie has such a generous and humble spirit. He shares so much wisdom. So please join me in this insightful conversation with Reggie McNeil. Reggie's, I am so happy that you could join me today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Oh, glad to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, brother. Now, it's no secret that the world has changed a lot in the last few decades, right? The old paradigm of a pastor is one who sort of manages church life, uh, presents a bit of a disconnect with our our current culture. And yeah. and you're really encouraging. You've been encouraging us as pastors and ministry leaders for quite some time. But but you're you're encouraging us to begin looking really at a new way of leading that you refer to as kingdom collaborators. And I got to tell you, I just love that term. And oh, cool. we'll get more into how that is lived out in, in a moment here in our conversation. But before we do, um, do you sense that the majority of pastors are already somewhat behind? In making this shift? Well, I would have to say that our, our training and our experience uh, hasn't positioned us uh, to be on the front edge of this movement. How can I, can I say it that way? Uh, because I don't right. want uh, maybe your listener to feel that uh, being judged, but I, I would have to say that uh, we're, if you're with it and, uh, and if you're into this new world, then you are uh, you're, you're having to work really hard to do it because it's not natural uh, based on uh, because all of our training, so many of the, the metaphors that uh, that shape the narrative that are in our heads that play to what it means to pastor and all that all comes out of a previous world that is uh, that's gone. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I love the way that you, you say that and it's very gracious because again, a lot of us are just operating out of, you know, how we have been trained and what right. we have learned, and yet right. culture is shifting. So I, I love that, that you emphasize this idea of kingdom, right? Because it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Jesus made it very clear that that was the emphasis. Um, so yep. let's dig in a, a bit about kingdom. Why is the idea of kingdom so necessary for leaders to be most effective in ministry today? Well, I think if you want to be aligned with what God's major agenda is, then you have to be kingdom-minded. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't grow up. That was not part of my training. Hey, I'm a pastor's kid. I was in church, you know, every Sunday, nine months, nine months before I was born. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, I'm deep in the belly of, of the beast here. But um, but I can just say that 
kingdom was the, not an idea that was prevalent, at least in my tradition. We sang a few children's songs about it and, you know, learned seek first the kingdom, that kind of stuff. But really, kingdom was almost like a, it was not a dominant theme. Church was the dominant theme, church narrative. And so uh, it took a long time for me to finally realize that the kingdom is God's major activity on planet Earth. See, I grew up thinking that the church was, and that, you know, for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son, and that, you know, and seek first the church, and I've come to give you more church and give it. And so uh, it's not that I'm against the church. It's just that that is a limited notion. The church is a, is a part of the bandwidth, but is not the full bandwidth of God's work on planet Earth, his kingdom is. Yeah, that's good. Reggie, I'm just curious. Why do you think that kingdom wasn't emphasized as much in the church? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a result of the, uh, uh, particularly the last 500 years of focus uh, since the Reformation on getting the church fixed, (laughs) you know, getting it right. Right. Uh, We've been pretty obsessed with that, actually. I mean, ecclesiology has been the dominant theme. I mean, uh, so all the book, you know, who gets to do what and uh, when and what, uh, whose authority and can they wear a skirt or, or, you know, uh, I mean, just on and on and on. And so there's been this what separates us from each other, which has forced a bit of tribal uh, and church centricity into our thinking. So we prepare to manage that tribe or that church, that assignment. And, um, and, and and like I say, even the seminary education and everything that comes out of the modern education system uh, was uh, post-Reformation. And so it has equipped us to manage, uh, to lead uh, and to manage uh, the church that exists and or or to improve that. So I, I think the kingdom just kind of got a, a backseat in that regard. Uh, the larger agenda just kind of um, just didn't get the attention that, uh, that the more, uh, I don't know, more readily in front of me assignment does, which is how do I do my church job? Right. So why do you think there has been this fresh look at the idea of kingdom and, and why, why is that coming into so much of, of what we talk about and how we minister and you know why has this kind of sprouted up at this time well jason it's a, it's a great question the i was recently speaking to a group of lutheran pastors that so happened to be and and so i told them i said you know how's you know you've been you lutheran's been working on fixing the church for 500 years how's that going for you <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah, i couldn't i don't know why they think they own the reformation I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the point is that the ref uh, the reformation was powered in many ways, by the third information revolution in human history. I mean, the first was the invention of writing, the second, the book. Then you have the printing press, which enabled uh, an entire new world. E- each information revolution gives birth to an entire new world, a human experience. And it, and it can take, you know, 150 years for the implications of that to settle out in the larger culture in terms of institutions and all that. Well, so here we come along now, and we literally are in the first decades of the fourth information, uh, human information revolution, the digital age. Right. And and that's created an entire new world. I was telling those Lutheran pastors, look, relax. It's not your fault. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, this thing has caught all of us. 
and and every institution is undergoing a massive change. I mean, uh, in my home last night, I had one of the leading people in the education in my state, and uh, and you know, and she was talking about fixing the system, and I just. Uh, she's a friend, so I just had to say, I think that's the wrong question because that system, the educational system, uh, is rooted, is anchored in an old world, uh, is is in the mass standardization world. We're now in the mass customization mm. uh, through this fourth digital revolution, and so um, you know that's just one example outside the church that you can point to. Um, I mean, you, you, I don't know how old you are, Jason, but uh, many of my listeners will remember a world where, uh, you, you didn't customize everything. I mean, you had three, I grew up with three TV stations. Uh, I had to buy 12 songs, uh, on a record to get one that I liked, (laughs) you know, uh, I had to actually go to a bank to bank into a movie theater to watch a movie. And uh, and even in my earliest days, go to a pizza uh, to get a pizza. So, I mean, look what's happened now. Uh, you know, uh, mo- many of the folks that are listening to us say, you know, I've got an app on my bank. I'm, I'm on my phone. I don't, I don't have to go to the bank to bank. I can suck the Library of Congress out of thin air. And, <laughs> you know, the smartphone that I uh, that makes me feel stupid all the time. So so here we are. In this customization, the music industry, for instance, had to figure out how do you how, how do you customize around folks so that folks can download the music they want when they want it and that kind of thing. So, spiritually, the same dynamics are at play. People don't shift back to the other world in their spiritual life if they're used to customizing and building a world around them. Um, then it's it it works the same way in the spiritual world. And so the church as an institution, now not church as movement, but the church as institution has to figure out literally, and I'll just use that again, how to become church's movement, because that's what the fourth information revolution actually enables, a spiritual movement, not just institutional expressions of spiritual journeying. That's good, Reggie. And and I love, I love what you said in there um, when you're when you said you were talking with your friend about the educational system, um, because you, you said something that uh, I, I think we all, as pastors, as ministers, need to kind of listen to. You said it wasn't so much that that she had to fix the system. It's just that it's it's kind of a new world. And so you have to yes. kind of figure out how to navigate in a, an entirely new space. And so that's yeah. th- th- that applies to the church as well. It's not necessarily that, oh, everything's bad, because we hear a lot of this, you know, kind of back and forth, back and forth. It's right. not that everything's broken and bad. It's just a reality that, man, the world has changed, and we as ministry leaders need to recognize that and not kind of stick yes. our head in the sand, but recognize that and then say, okay, then how are we God's people in in a fresh new world? Exactly. In other words, uh, t- like to my friend last night, I said the, the better question, because you have to change questions so you can flip the narrative, so you can shape the narrative. The better question is not how do we fix our educational system. It's how do we prepare kids for their lives in this new world. You see, you have to recalibrate mm. the question you're trying to answer in order to think differently. Same thing in the church. We can say, how do we build great churches? Or we can actually think the, the church is primarily a, a, you know, a, a movement in the world of God's people. So 
maybe the better question is how do we develop viral kingdom agents mm. who in their life, um, if you want to call that discipleship, if you want to call it, but, but really we're talking about developing people who view life as a mission trip, not uh, their spiritual journeying as something separate from everything else in their life, but is an integrative force and they become kingdom uh, agents and, and gospel bearers, you know, in every aspect of right. their life. So that's that's a different recalibration of the question that I think would help free up a lot of. Uh, well, it would help us think in maybe some other categories besides how can we get our the it would change the scorecard for sure. Mm-hmm. Instead of just how many people do we have on Sunday and those kind of things, which everyone laments to me. <laughs> uh, or many people, unless their numbers are happen to go up, they, they like that scorecard. But for so many of our pastors, Jason, they are caught in a losing proposition mm. because the number of people who are susceptible to being congregationalized in our culture is a dwindling number. And they are in a – it's like they're being asked to play a game with a scorecard where they know they're going to – at the end of the day, most of them are going to lose. Well, how motivating is that? Right. And and so I just think not to – not as a uh, – as some kind of a magical ruse to get out from uh, being um, accountable for what we do. I just think the scorecard is way too limited uh, with, with – ta- tagged to the church as institution. Now, ch- tagged to church as movement, now we're back into kingdom stuff, which was the question you asked a thousand years ago. It's <laughs> taken me this long to get to it. You imagine now why my books are uh, as long as they are. <laughs> so, you know, because the kingdom is the end game. I mean, it is the game. Uh, it's about life. And church is supposed to contribute our church experience is supposed to contribute to that. It's not like the kingdom is a subset of church activity. Church is a subset of, you know, kingdom uh, uh, agenda. Right. And and so it's really how are we preparing people to live as viral kingdom agents 24-7 so that, and honestly, most of what's impacting their life and happening is happening away from church settings unless we get this kingdom notion in our heads, you know, fully, uh, fully developed. And that's why I work really hard at trying to describe the kingdom as life. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm with the caveat of life as God intends. I mean, it's, it's all about life. Uh, you know, we start the Bible in, uh, I mean, we, we've done some stuff to kingdom and that's why maybe I should say, I think we have to get out of our heads so much of the stuff that we think about earthly kingdoms. I think Jesus made it pretty plain uh, to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. I mean, we don't need to take earthly kingdoms and hammer the heavenly kingdom back into that, our earthly kingdom archetypes. Right. We do have that archetype in our mind, but it's but it's a transcendent notion. It's, it's different from what we experience here. Um, I mean, we open the Bible in a garden, and in the middle of the garden, in the center, is the tree of life. That's not incidental. Yeah. And God sends an angel to stand guard over that, when over that tree when Eden is disintegrating. You fast forward to the end of the book, and you're in a city, and running through the middle of the city is the river of life, trees of life planted on both sides 
uh, that never go out of season. Jesus in the middle of the book says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And just in case we miss it, I've come to give you life, you know, um, abundant life. So I, I, it seems to me the kingdom is about the life that God intends and the kingdom story is the extent that God will go to to make sure that people have access to that life, even to the extent you and I are recording this podcast in uh, early December here, we're fixing to celebrate a time of year where we actually commemorate the fact that God stepped into our world, put on flesh to live out in front of us what kingdom life looks like. I mean, how Jesus moved around, what he did, how he did it, all of that stuff is important, not just the words that fell out of his mouth, but his entire life was an example of what the kingdom is. Yeah, and that, so, yeah, that's, oh, that, so powerful. That is, that's beautiful, that the whole idea of uh, kingdom. I love how you how you bring kingdom and life together, um, because I think that is an important understanding um, because, like you said, we can we can define kingdom in a lot of different ways, and sometimes we get caught up in that because yes. we're we're stuck in in the idea of earthly kingdom and somehow yes. fitting uh, you know God's kingdom into that. So, uh, a couple of times you've you've mentioned this, and I, I'd love for us to touch on this so that you can uh, share this distinction that you make between church as an institution and church as a movement. Can you share with us a little bit about the difference there? Well, first of all, I don't want it to be – I don't use – I don't mean to – let's say it this way. I don't mean to use church as institution in a pejorative way, although a lot of people hear it that way, and I guess I understand. I'm trying to separate out because every movement calcifies and, and over time and has institutional expression to it, and church as institution is a real thing. I mean it exists. I mean – Behind me, outside my office here, there's a big old honking church with a steeple on top of it. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, and that says there's something substantive that happens. So the Christendom, all, all of that stuff that we associate with Christianity particularly um, has institutional expression. And it's not all evil. It's just um, it, it's it's more religious uh, because a lot of it, as frankly, has been devised by human beings to to process people's experience of their spiritual journey inside of a Christian, uh, quote unquote, uh, worldview and pilgrimage. Now, church as movement is all the way back to the viscera. The the it's the relational aspect where. Frankly, first century Christian, first century believers, even before they're called Christians, would understand what it means to be church. For them, it was a relationship. Uh, in fact, they would they wouldn't even understand our language when we say "go to church" or "don't miss church," um, because church for them was a way of being, uh, more than a noun or destination. It wasn't a place. It wasn't a set of programs. It wasn't a, a bunch of religious uh, deliverables that we come to expect, you know, transactionally. If we were part of this, we ought to get this for it. Uh, no, church was their relationship with Jesus. 
and uh, what he established, which was a kingdom outpost and, uh, in, in the world. And just to kind of flesh out a little bit more, when we're talking about this idea of being a kingdom collaborator or a kingdom leader, that can occur both within church as an institution and church as a movement? Absolutely, because the whole, all of our life is being lived out inside of um, a, a kingdom purview, you know. Right. Um, and in fact, sometimes to get to further ma- help people, I guess with the uh, the difference between institution and and church's movement. My marriage, for instance, I'm married to, to Kathy. We've been married 37 years. There's never a time, no matter where I am. Uh, so there's never a time or a place that I'm not Kathy McNeil's husband. Mm-hmm. Now that I, I'm, you know, I have institutionalized that through a marriage, but my gosh, it's a way of being. It's not just a, something I signed off on. Right, right. I mean, I'm still husbanding. There are things I do because I'm married to Kathy. There are things I don't do because I'm married to Kathy. I mean, she, in fact, she's always influencing the conversation. I mean, she's talking to me right now while I'm talking to you. I mean, she's inside my head. Right. Uh, she's saying, you know, don't say that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or you better back up and go for that again. You know, I mean, the point is, as it's a, it, that's the way it is with being a Jesus follower. Uh, being church is a, that's what I mean by it being more a verb. Right. It's a way of being in this world, not a, a, a place or something that I go to to do certain things. So I church at home. I church in the neighborhood, just like I husband at home. I husband in the neighborhood. I husband through, you know, uh, different all aspects of my life in, in different kinds of ways, uh, because I'm never off uh, not husbanding uh, in terms of that relationship. That's always there. I guess that's what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, that's good. It, is is that you know even if Jesus doesn't come up in all of our conversations, he's always influencing our conversations. He's he's in touch with. It. I mean, if we're you know listening and leaning in and paying attention, I mean, I, there's never a time you catch me that I'm I'm uh, you know somehow disconnected from that relationship. Right, right. No, that's good. Now, Reggie, as uh, you know, the majority of people listening are pastors and ministry leaders. A lot of them more likely feel themselves, you know, as operating within the church as an institution. Right. And, and sometimes that, that feels, especially when your heart's captured by the kingdom, you know, sometimes right. church as institution can feel a little bit like it's constraining yes. kind of that kingdom life. So, yes. so um, what what would you say those pastors that kind of feel themselves in, in that tension, you know, not not the idea of kind of jettisoning, you know, church as an institution, but how do we move into and step into that that kingdom leadership, that kingdom life, um, think in that situation? You have really uh, articulated this so well because most of the folks I work with um, are, in fact, do in fact have very responsible jobs inside the church as institution, either congregational pastors or leaders or uh, leaders of an entire denomination or, 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 or a region, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell them is I think it's critical that we actually live into this, um, this tension, uh, that we not sublimate 
when our hearts leap around kingdom, as you just said, there's a reason for that. We need to pay attention to that. And so every pastor that I'm working with in any kind of consulting or coaching way or whatever, I'm trying to help them figure out how to bring their ministry and their church or whatever their responsibilities, their organization, uh, to be more kingdom-centric, to have more of a, more of a kingdom agenda because it's life-giving to them. I mean, there's a reason, you know, the church's institution can leave you pretty burned out. But every pastor that I know that's really leaning into kingdom life is being renewed because the kingdom is life. Now, Jason, I have to say there's some there's some strategies about that. It's not you wake up one morning and you decide to go this way and everyone around you is going to, you know, uh, fall in line and, and follow along. <laughs> Would that be nice? It, it, it requires, yeah, right. It requires some very intentional uh, shifts in, in, in three areas, actually. Uh, we First of all, we have to shift the story. By that, I mean, what's the narrative that we're working out of? And I can tell you the kingdom narrative is much more robust and powerful mm. uh, than a, a church-centric narrative. Uh, just, uh, just today, I received a year-end uh, report from uh, a friend who wanted me to see what he's thinking, and he's kind of given his churches an update. And unfortunately, as I read through that, and as he's positioning for the future, his his um, his language is all still about what goes on at the corner of Third and Main, mm. and all of the programs there, and what they look like, and their health, as if these programs you know, is what Jesus died for, you know? I mean, it's craziness to me. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to shift the storyline. There's a much bigger story. God wants a better life for people in our community. So you can no longer just pastor a congregation. You could do that in a previous iteration where the world was just divvied up into, you know, you are the curator of souls for this area, this zip code, or this village, or whatever. We've got to get back to some of that, quite honestly. Recapture that. I don't just lead this organization. I have a responsibility of kingdom life uh, in the community where I am. And so, uh, so you have to change the narrative. And by the way, that has implications for what we talk about when we come together to worship. Mm. Uh, when we gather on a weekend, and I mean, uh, again, when I do hand-to-hand -hand combat, uh, you know, deep consulting, we take a look at how many times do we do stuff like, you know, pray for our leaders, uh, pray for our community. How often do we hear from a community leader? Mm. Uh, how much of our stuff is just about, you know, we get in here and shut out the world uh, and just, uh, you know, go into some kind of a you know, quasi-trance mode just to worship, because I've been told, you see, from my early days, shut out the world, focus on God here, and God is screaming in his top of his lungs. I Wait a minute, I don't shut out the world. That's not what I've called you to do, Yeah. you know? And, I mean, there's there's time where you won't have the world to worry about, but right now you're on mission. Right. And so, you know, get get. I want you to get on your heart what's on my heart. So, Anyway, so we have to we look at everything from web from, uh, I, you know, I, I remember starting a consult. We just pulled up the website of the church and there were two stories of folks that had recently become members. And God got mentioned once. Hmm. Jesus, not at all. 
but there was heavy emphasis on, uh, you know, how friendly everyone was and, and the valet parking and, <laughs> and the coffee and, and, and I'm not kidding. Wow. Uh, you know, so that's, that's a different narrative right. than a narrative that celebrates what the king for crying out loud <laughs> is up to, you know, in, in the world. And so let's get with that. So you have to change the, the story. You have to change the scorecard. Uh, we've already talked about that just a little bit. So what would that look like? Well, I, that's a customized, you see, in the, in the age of mass standardization, every denomination, every church, we knew what the scorecard was, how many folks, how often do they come, how much money do they bring, how many folks, uh, are, you know, just on and on right. and on. Well, in, in, a, in a kingdom, you know, maybe you're trying to have fewer hungry people in your community or, or maybe more kids that can read so that their life is not a living hell because they can't get a job and, 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 you know, everything else that goes along with that. Uh, or, or maybe you're trying to rescue folks from sex trafficking. I mean, there are a whole variety of ways that you can figure out what your impact on a community is as you decide what it is and how many, uh, hours your folks are doing, you know, community service and loving their neighbor. I mean, how, how do we, when does that ever get brought into the equation? You right. know, like, how's that loving your neighbor thing going? And so, uh, it seemed to be important to Jesus, but, and then <laughs> the third thing, and I know I'm just, uh, this is not designed to be a, a, a consult here, but this just to good. show this you how intentional yeah. you have to be, <laughs> you have to also finally change, uh, the, the, the story and the scorecard, but you have to change the stewardship of the leaders uh, in the old world, how are we doing at managing the church? In the new world, how are we doing? Uh, yes, <laughs> to the the first one, you don't quit that. Uh, but there's a bit more of a leadership agenda when you think about what God is up to, just right outside the door of your, you know, institutional expression, right across the street, right, maybe right down the, maybe right next door to you. Uh, what 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 is the agenda uh, that God wants the leaders? And, and to your point, that's helping. Part of that agenda ought to be, you know, how are we helping people with their life game? I mean, if you look at the church service as the game, then you really miss the point because the church gathering is kind of like halftime. Mm -hmm. I mean, the game is like no one plays a football game so you can have halftime. <laughs> I right. mean, you know, I mean, and, and no one comes out of the halftime saying, you know, it doesn't matter if we're winning or losing, but boy, that coach gave an inspiring talk. <laughs> uh, you, you just can't believe it. we're on a six week series that the coach is doing and, and man, the music was phenomenal. And all. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding? I mean, you, at halftime, you do whatever it is so you can play the game. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't gauge the game by the quality of halftime. So I, I just think we've got to, we just got to recalibrate so much in our minds uh, in order to, to, to get back at it. And by the way, the folks that are under our responsive, our leadership in our leadership constellation, they're not evil. A lot of times it's like, well, they'll never let me do this. And oh, our folks are so good. Hey, they're only doing what we've told them to do for 500 years for crying out. Right. Loud. Right. So, I mean, you know, let's don't, let's don't decide that folks that don't think like this or automatically against it. It's, it's the job of the leader to, to bring folks along.
That, that's excellent, Reggie. So how would you um, recommend, as, as we're looking at uh, Kingdom Collaborators, your newest book, there are these eight different kind of characteristics of a leader who is kind of living into this kingdom collaboration. And, and as we're talking about these kind of shifts, how would you recommend a pastor at, at just a, you know, a regular church uh, uh-huh. who has this heart for, for kingdom, but his church is kind of steeped in, like you said, what we've taught them to do for the last 500 years. Right. Uh, like what, what would you recommend? And I know you can't go through a full consultation, but what would you recommend as some first steps um, to a pastor who might be listening right now and his, his heart is, is moved? What would be some good first steps? I think I would ask God to help me figure out four or five leaders who have major leadership roles in the community. Mm. They may not be the chair of your deacons or elders or whatever. In fact, they may not even be that engaged in the church. And there may be a good reason for that. Right. (laughs) You know, and there may be multiple reasons for that. I think I would say, you know, Lord, who, who are four or five folks that have leadership in our community that I could convene and maybe us begin to talk about these practices of how we can be kingdom leaders because these folks have significant uh, influence. And I want to, I want to affirm that and help them. So I think, I think that's probably, and I'll tell you out of those discussions and out of the heart of that, when you begin to talk with those leaders about how they can, like, let's we'll just take a few of these, how they can pray with one eye open as they, you know, are a hospital administrator or, or school administrator or a physician or, or whatever, you know, and, and how, how can they foment dissatisfaction with status quo stuff that, that's keeping people from living the life that God intends. And I don't mean holding evangelistic crusades at, at break time, you know, right. in, at the office, but how can they begin to just, you know, uh, begin to be these kingdom agents in a viral way? I think that would be a very rich and robust conversation that frankly, most pastors don't have because they spend, because the responsibility we have, our our typical conversations when we get people together is how they can help the church out. Mm. That's so good, Reggie. I just think it would be a journey. We've got to become learners mm. into this new world. And I think it's okay for pastors. To, I want to affirm, if you're feeling ill-equipped, hey, that's the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I mean, it's okay to be a learner. Um, and and I, I think it could be a very exciting and liberating, um, a liberating journey. That's awesome, brother. Man, I, I so loved um, hearing your heart and, and uh, really encouraging words. Um, if those listening, the pastors, ministry leaders listening, wanted to connect with you or learn more about um, Kingdom Collaborators, how could they do that? Well, I, I, I suspect, uh, you know, email's always uh, good. Um, I have a couple of email addresses, reggie.mcneil at leadnet.org. I'm still a, I call it a senile fellow at Leadership Network. <laughs> um, they call it a senior fellow. They're kinder. Also, I work with Good Cities as my primary kind of corporate 
work now, working with groups. Uh, so, so that's Reggie at goodcities.net. And at Good Cities, we're engaging groups of people, uh, leaders who really want to build cross-domain collaboratives. I hate to use all these code words, but but really they actually want to do something so their community is better. How's that? Yeah. And so we help them figure out what what can those initiatives be and how could they be successful at moving the needle on stuff all the way from health issues to literacy to that kind of stuff. So Reggie at goodcities.net would, would go there. Um, probably those two ways would be just as good as any. Excellent, brother. Excellent. Man, I, again, I just thank you for taking your time, for sharing your heart and uh, so, what you continue to be learning. You talk about a lifelong learner, Reggie. You you continue <laughs> to be digging in, digging in, digging in. And the beautiful thing is then you you share all that, that that you uncover with us. So we certainly appreciate that and, and all that you do for the kingdom, my friend. Thanks, Jason. Man, it's been great to talk with you today. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.